Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 149 of Weekly Poker Hand. I hope everyone's having a great week at the tables. Hope you're not getting too unlucky. Although if you are getting unlucky, that's fine because it means the bad players are winning and hopefully they will continue coming back. Unless you're bad, in which case, you know, getting unlucky and, um, well, that's not good for you. But if you're a good player and you think you have lots of equity, getting unlucky is not the end of the world, especially if you were properly bankrolled. Anyway, no tangents for today. Let's try to stay on track. We have Ace-10 offsuit in a $7,500 buy-in World Poker Tour event at Bay 101 in San Jose facing a 1,050 raise at 200-400 from a straightforward player in the cutoff. I have Ace-10 offsuit in the big blind. This seems like a great spot to call. Um, folds around to the cutoff, he opens, everyone else folds, here I am with Ace-10 offsuit. This seems really, I mean, calling I think is the only option. We could re-raise, but this hand I think is just too good to re-raise. If I'm going to re-raise with an ace, it's going to be a hand like ace-six offsuit. But even then, I'm, I'm probably just going to call with the vast majority of my aces and tend to three-bet with some of my junky suited connected hands, some of my junky offsuit hands. Maybe hands like king-five offsuit if I feel inclined, but I'm not going to three-bet ace-ten pretty much ever unless I'm against someone who I think is a huge calling station, in which case I will three-bet hands like ace-ten purely for value. And um, we discussed this a little bit over at PokerCoaching.com where, against some players, you want to be three-betting with a polarized range. Like I said, the suited connectors and whatnot, the bad suited connectors. But against other players, you want to three-bet with a linear range, which is your best hands for value. And then some of your strong but non-nut hands for what I call lesser value. And ace-10 offsuit is sometimes near the bottom of a lesser value range because what you're basically saying by three-betting ace-10 is that you expect this guy to call with all aces worse than ace-10 and then four-bet with most of the aces and most of the big pairs that have ace-10 dominated. So if he's going to give you very honest information, three-betting this could certainly be fine. And given I'm given I have him tagged as straightforward, I guess I don't hate a three-bet to 3,000 or 3,500. Uh, probably wouldn't be the worst play in the world, but I'm typically going to call in this spot. I do call this time. The pot is 2,750, and I'm going to be checking basically every flop. Comes 964, two clubs. I check. He bets 1,500 into the 2,750 pot. And I have ace of hearts, 10 of diamonds on nine of clubs, seven, nine of clubs, six of clubs, four of diamonds. So I have over cards. This is a board that is almost always going to be better for the preflop caller than the preflop raiser, especially if you tell me the initial raiser is somewhat straightforward. So I'm not going to say I should check raise as a bluff with this hand, but I don't think it would be ridiculous. I'm not a big fan of check calling with hands like ace 10. If I had a hand like ace king, I think check calling could be way better or could be acceptable at least, because then I dominate all of my opponent's aces. But here, with ace-10, I'm dominated by ace-king, ace-queen, and ace-jack, which are certainly in a straightforward player's preflop opening range. Um, it's kind of interesting this player is continuation betting on 9-6-4, two clubs. A, this is a nice board to check behind with a lot of your marginal overcards as well as some of your marginal pairs. But my opponent is betting, and that's probably just a bet coming from someone who continuation bets too often. And you're going to find that that's often the case in tournaments filled with satellite qualifiers. A lot of players look for fairly simple systems to just implement every time they sit at the table. And if you had to pick between continuation bet 100% of the time or continuation bet 0% of the time, well, you'd tell a guy to continuation bet 100% of the time, even though that's far from ideal. If I've been playing with this guy for a while and I've seen him continuation bet 100% of the time, I am almost certainly going to check raise this flop because this board should not be easily defendable for my opponent. So I could see either folding or check raising. I would typically check raise here though. It's a little bit aggressive. I wish I had a club or something like that. 
uh, but here I just have stone nothing. A good way to balance these bluffs is to just have some sort of a backdoor flush draw. That will really keep you in line because and instead of check-raising every time, which clearly I am if I'm doing it with Ace of Hearts, Ten of Diamonds, with no backdoor flush draw, I would certainly do it if I had the backdoor flush draw. Um, this, this implies I'm doing it every single time, and that's just going to be too much if you're trying to be balanced. But again, balance is a little bit overrated, especially if you think your opponent's going to fold way more often than he should. And clearly that's what I was thinking here because I make it 4,200, but my opponent calls. All right, that's not what we wanted to have happen. Turn is a seven of hearts. And now I decide to check and my opponent checks behind. Oh gosh, hand player's messing up on me. Let me reset it real fast. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Turn's a seven of hearts and now I decide to check. And my opponent's going to check behind. So we turn a gut shot straight draw, right? Nine, six, four, seven. So an eight will give us a straight. And I decide to check. And I'm just giving up here. I know that may seem a little bit weak. But when my opponent check or continuation bets and then calls my check raise, that makes me think he's going to have a lot of hands like big pairs, which clearly I'm crushed against. Um, sets, which I'm also crushed against. Two pairs, although two pairs should be pretty unlikely, either nine, six suited or six, four suited. But then also a lot of hands like eight, seven, seven, six, nine, seven, maybe even gut shots like 10-7 or 10-8. And the 7 on the turn really nails that range. So my opponent either had a great hand on the flop, which I was just crushed against anyway, and I still am crushed, or he had a marginal made hand that very likely improved to either a very good made hand with a draw. Well, I say a very good made hand. Maybe a hand like 8-7, right? So middle pair with a, an open-ended straight draw, which is never going to fold if I bet again. Or um, a hand like two pair, like 9-7, right? So this is not a good spot to continue betting, I don't think. And if I check my opponent bets any reasonable size, I'm just going to fold. If he bets more than like 3,500, I'm going to fold. If he bets 3,500, maybe I'll check call. Obviously, that's not great. But with the with the marginal, marginal hand I have, I think maybe we could call. Although even then, I think still folding is probably just right. So I check, and I am planning to check fold. If I did bet the turn, I definitely need to bet again on almost all rivers. Because if I bet the turn, I expect my opponent to call pretty much every time with hands like 8-7 and 7-5 and stuff like that. And all of those hands, or at least some of those hands, will be inclined to fold on a lot of rivers. So check-check on the turn. When my opponent checks behind on the turn, that really does indicate one of those marginal made hands. And then we get a four of clubs on the river. So that completes the flush. It's nine six four seven four with the flush draw coming in. I, of course, still have ace-high. And I decide to bet 6,000. This is an example of a spot where I would really like to have a club in my hand. Even if I did not have a flush draw on the flop, even just the 10 of clubs would make this bluff way better. Because if you think about the hands I'm trying to make my opponent fold, or the hands my opponents are likely to have, if I had a 10 of clubs in my hand, I know my opponent can't have ace 10 of clubs, king 10 of clubs, queen 10 of clubs, jack 10 of clubs, 10 8 of clubs, 10 7 of clubs. You know, all of these hands that contain a 10 of clubs. And that's a solid five or six realistic combinations of hands, and maybe even a few that are not so realistic. Um, same thing if I had the ace of clubs, that takes away all the ace of clubs, which would have been great, but I don't have any of that. So my opponent very easily could just have a flush. Um, despite that, I do think I need to bet here. I could very easily have the flush draw and check raise the flop and then check the turn, especially if I had a hand like ace seven of clubs or ace five of clubs or ace 
I guess I can't have ace four clubs anymore. I guess ace eight of clubs. So I could very easily have the nut flush draw. They got there on the river. They would like to bet. So flushes are certainly in my range. And while they are also in my opponent's range, I do think a lot of my opponent's range is going to be hands like 7-6, which just got counterfeited, or 8-7, which is now a middle pair. So I like a bet, and depending on what I think about my opponent, I'm either going to bet on the large size, like nearly the size of the pot, or I'm going to bet kind of medium. And that is what I like to do this time. I bet about half pot. And this is usually something I'll... This is a read that I'll make versus specific opponents. If I think my opponent's going to view a half pot bet as you know, quote-unquote, obviously for value, then my opponent's going to fold to this smallish bet way too often, way too often, way more often than he should. Um, one other benefit, one ben- eh, I can't talk today. Today's a rough day of, week, of weekly poker hand. Thanks for sticking with me. <laughs> um, if I think my opponent's going to fold too often, I definitely want to do a smaller bet size if he's going to fold to that bet size. When I do bet less, I only need to steal the pot about a third of the time in this scenario, whereas if I bet the size of the pot, I need to steal it half the time, and that is a a decent percentage more than I need to steal it whenever I'm betting larger. Um, I'm not really making a good case either way, I guess is what it amounts to. You need to bet a size that's going to get a fold, assuming you're trying to not be completely balanced. If I am trying to be balanced, this is kind of a weird spot to even try to be balanced because... Given I check raise the flop way too wide, this ace 10 should probably still just be a check fold on the river if we're trying to be balanced. I understand this is the bottom of my range, but it really has no blocker value whatsoever. Besides, I guess the 10 blocks 10 8, but even then, that's kind of unlikely. So, this is not a great spot to even bluff in the first place. And this entire hand does exemplify me bluffing too often, but sometimes bluffing too often is just a good strategy versus people who fold too often. So, let's see if it works. I always root to get called in these spots because you need to get punished when you're bluffing too often. (laughs) But this time, the bluff did not get punished, and we get it through. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Again, it it was kind of a rough one. It was a rough hand. It was rough commentary. Let's try to do better next week. (laughs) Thank you very much, and I will talk to you then.